Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church with our pastor, Andy Brown. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. If you have your Bibles here today, I invite you to turn to the book of Matthew. And we will pick up our series in Matthew today, Matthew chapter 4. And as you're turning over there, let me just tell you again, Merry Christmas. I am so glad to be worshiping with my church family here today on Christmas. I really cannot think of a better way for us to spend Christmas than for us to come to a church house, for us to declare that there is a God in heaven who loves, there is a God in heaven who saves, there is a God in heaven who heals, who forgives. And I am glad that we together have come so that we can declare that purpose, that Jesus, the baby who was born 2,000 years ago, the eternal Son of God, who was born of a virgin's womb, is alive and well today and ready to save whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. So Matthew chapter 4 is where we will be today, and we will be looking at verses 18 through 25. And just as a means of of us engaging one another, if I were to come up to you and I were to ask you to give me a list of the top three things that you value the most. Now, I know that's the reason that I gave you three. I didn't want to give you one or two. On this Christmas Day, I wanted to give you the top three things that you value the most because I've asked several people before, give me the top five songs, and no one can pick their top five songs, right? But this should be maybe a little easier for you. If I were to come up to you and I were to ask you to list for me, what are the three things? And it's just you and God talking. You're not announcing it out loud. God knows your heart anyway, so you might as well be honest. List the top three things that you value the most. What would be on that list? And let me ask you this as well. How do you know that what you value is really valuable? On this Christmas day in the year of our Lord, 2016, I want to talk to you today about someone, something, who is of the utmost value. I want today to talk to you about a God in heaven who loves you. A God in heaven who has moved heaven and earth so that you could be with Him. A God who loves us so much that He didn't just tell us that He loves us. That would have been fine for us to receive this word from God. That He loves us, that would have been great. But a God who not only tells us that He loves us, a God who demonstrates His own love towards us by coming into the chaos of our lives, coming into the busyness, coming into the muck, coming into the mire, coming into our darkest hour, and still saying, I love you. So much so that he was willing to give his own life for us. And let me just say this to you very carefully this morning. If this Jesus isn't already, then I want us to be able to say at the end of this sermon, together that Jesus is our everything. That there is no one that thrills our heart quite like Jesus. No one else will do for us like Jesus. So let's hear the word of the Lord today from Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Would you pray with me today? Father, we are grateful for this occasion that you've given us to come to hear your word. Father, let it be clear today. Open our ears and our hearts, ears to hear and a heart ready to receive as your spirit moves every heart to receive you today. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one today, as we get started, I want you to write this down if you've got something to write with. Something that I want us to learn about Jesus, and that is that Jesus has come to call. Now, Christmas time, which is where we are, uh, it's one of the busiest times of the year. And it's really so busy, if we're all honest with one another, that it can get confusing. Think about what most of us have already done. Most of us have waiting for us to do after we finish here. We are going to be chasing here and there for gifts, burning rubber up and down the road to visit loved ones. We're going to be making lists and uh, for other people to purchase us gifts, and we're going to be receiving lists of other people so that we can purchase them gifts, and then we're going to be opening those gifts, we're going to be watching them open those gifts, we're going to be attending maybe a Christmas parade or the live nativity scene, or we attended the Christmas Eve service, we sing songs, we hear a message, and all of those things, if we think about it, they're all intended to be different. We don't do that on a regular occasion, we don't go to a Christmas parade except really one time a year, right? Well, you may have gone twice, but... You really only go one time a year. That's, you don't go to a Christmas parade at Easter, right? You go to a Christmas parade at Christmas. All of those things are intended to be different, and all of those things are really telling a wonderful story. But if you and I are not careful, somehow we can get the idea that Christmas is about us. Or that we can think that Christmas is about others. Now listen carefully to me this morning. Don't misunderstand me. Christmas is about you. Christmas is about others, but Christmas is about so much more than just you and others. If we think about Christmas, then we would have nothing to celebrate if Jesus had not come. If Jesus hadn't come, there would be no reason for us to be all decked out in red, no reason for us to be opening gifts, having parades, having celebrations, shooting fireworks, whatever we do. No reason to gather around the turkey or the yule log on the television channel or have 60 degree weather, all this fun things that we do. There'd be no reason for us to celebrate if Jesus hadn't come. But since He has come, you and I have every reason for celebration. Since He has come, you and I have every reason for hope. You see, think about this Jesus. Jesus has come, and in His coming, He has come to call us away from our death. That's what He's done. He's come into a world filled with death to offer it life. And He has come to call us away from our own death and give us life. He has come to us as we are so that He could make us as He is. 
Let me say that again because that's important. He has come to us as we are so that He could make us what He is. Listen to the way someone much smarter than me said it. Name Augustine. Listen to the way he said it. The Son of God became Son of Man. So sons of men could be sons of God. Did you hear that? The Son of God became Son of Man. So sons of men could be sons of God. You see, if He doesn't come the way that He comes, then you and I have nothing to hope for. If He doesn't come in this way, born of a virgin, living a sinless life, if if He doesn't come in this way, if He doesn't come to interrupt a silent night and a holy night, where all is calm and all is bright, if He doesn't come in that way, then you and I have nothing to believe in, no one to serve, no reason to live, but His coming to us means that we can go to where He is. And see, here's the truth. If He had not come to where we were, we would have no hope. We could not go to where He was. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So look at that language. You've heard that verse perhaps before. Think about that language though. All have sinned. Now that's all of us, right? All of us have sinned. And then the next phrase is that we have fallen short of the glory of God. So there was something out there called the glory of God, that we were supposed to reach for, that we were supposed to attain, that we were supposed to be in. We've fallen short. And the reason that we've fallen short is because of our sin. Our sin is constantly making us fall short. So we could not go to where He was. Our sin made a wall of separation between He and us. But Christ has come. This is the beautiful point of Christmas. Christ has come to us to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He came to us. When we could not go to where He was, He came to us. And He offers us life. And how does He do it? How does He do it? He calls to us to follow Him. Look at here. I love this passage. Here Jesus is fixing to begin His ministry. And what do we see Him doing? The first thing that He does. Here He is coming to call. And I just want to ask you this morning, where were you when you heard His call? Have you ever heard the gentle voice of our Savior calling you? By the way, when He calls you, He always calls you by name. He doesn't call you, hey, you there. He knows you. The Bible says He knows how many hairs on the top of your head or how many hairs are not there. He knows it all. He knows everything about you. And yet the beautiful part of the message that we proclaim at Oxford Baptist Church, the message of the Bible, the message of Christianity, the beautiful point of it is is that He knows everything about you, yet He still loves you anyway. He loves you so much that He won't leave you just like you are because you're separated from Him. No, He wants to take you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to take your sins, your sorrows, and make them His very own. He wants to make you just like He is. And I just want to know, where were you when you heard His call? Or have you heard His call? And let me just say this. As one who has heard the call of God, as one who has responded to His call, His call is truly life-changing. Now, I think many of us have this idea that it's this fire insurance type thing where all we do is just 
walk an aisle one time and respond to a call of salvation from a preacher because we heard the voice of our God calling us and we made it public and then that was it. You can just look at Matthew here and you can see Matthew chapter 4, he calls these disciples, but there's more to the life of the disciples than just what happens in chapter 4. There's more that happens to them, isn't there? So his call, listen, it is a one-time thing, but it's a one-time thing that carries on into the future. His call is one time, but it is for all time. It's an everyday call. And oftentimes, for those of you who are following Him, He gently nudges us so that we will obey Him. We hear His voice when He calls us. He, he tells us not to look at pornography. He calls us to be patient with those around us, whether it be our spouse, our children, that co-worker that just rubs us the wrong way, that driver in front of us, whatever the case may be. He calls us to be patient. He calls us to make wise choices to not spend that money that way or to go into that business deal or to not go into that business deal or to not go to this side or to that side. He calls you to turn the TV off and pray, to go visit someone, to call them on the phone. Jesus calls us to follow Him. And if we love Him, we'll do just that. We will be those who say, wherever you lead, that's where I'm going to go. I love this story in Matthew chapter 4 because it's almost like what we've already read in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12 with Abraham. There's no indication that they know where they're going. It doesn't matter, does it? only thing they knew was that Jesus was calling. And they responded by going wherever He goes you see number two this morning Jesus's call really changes everything and I love the story again I can't get over this story here we see Jesus right out of the gate changing people's lives why did Jesus come he says the reason he came was to seek and save the lost ones he says the reason that he came was to make all things new and here right out of the gate we see Jesus changing people's lives and see and look how His call changes everything. But, but look at this, how casual this call is. I love this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee. So casual. Now, let me just say, if you're ever in Israel and you go by the Sea of Galilee, it, you know, when you're in a land full of deserts and you see a big body of water, it's pretty captivating. I remember going by the Sea of Galilee and spending a morning there one time reading my Bible and thinking about what it must have been for Jesus to be there and how He must have uh, looked at that breeze that came from the mountains over the sea. And, and here the text is just so personal. As Jesus is here, and it's just so casual, He's walking by the Sea of Galilee, and who does He come upon? Fishermen. And, and by the way, guess what these fishermen are doing? What do you expect the fishermen to be doing? Well, of course, they are Fishing. But this is not just some random encounter. Understand that. This is the Savior of the universe. The eternal God. Seeking and saving lost ones. You see, when we know Jesus, everything changes. And one of those things that changes is the way we see things. The first point under point two is that Jesus changes our perspective. Look at this. I love this. Here we have something that just seems so random. But it's anything but random. Look at this. 
all of a sudden there is nothing that is insignificant. When you and I consider Jesus, there is nothing that is insignificant. The gentlest whisper can be His leading you. The gentlest nudge can be His voice leading you. Look what happens here. And I love this. Jesus doesn't go into the synagogue. He doesn't go where the religious leaders are, where those who know the most about the religious stuff. He doesn't go into the university. He doesn't go into the army barracks. Where does He go? He goes to the shoreline of a sea. And He picks probably one of the most least likely candidates. He picks a bunch of fishermen ready to do His bidding. Now let me just say this today. You may be in the synagogue. You may be in the university. You may be in the army barracks and you still may think that where you are is insignificant. You still may think that right where you are, God cannot use you, but learn from this story. Learn that there is no such thing as insignificant. Little is much when God is in it. And He can take whatever meagerness you offer Him. And by the way, think about this. Listen, I wish that I had a thousand lives to give to Jesus. If I had a thousand lives, I'd give them all to Jesus. And you know what it would be? Still not enough. Still not enough. But you know how many lives I have? One. And I'm going to make my diligence, the meagerness of my life, the littleness of my life, the insignificance of my life, I'm going to take everything that I have and I'm going to give it all to Jesus. Why? Because there is nothing insignificant when He is in it. Now think about this. He could have chose to do things so many ways, couldn't He? God could have chosen to just turn the sky purple or bright orange, whatever the case. He could have turned it pink. Think of a color that's crazy. I can't think of it. What color would the sky never be? He could have turned it, I don't know, it can be black, it can be, I can't think of a color. But anyway, He could have done whatever He wanted to do. He could have made fire appear in the heavens. Then He could have had a large voice calling, repent. But He didn't do that, did He? And He doesn't do that to us now. He chooses the most unlikely to do His bidding. The reason is that is because nothing is insignificant. You see, nothing else really matters when you see how great God is. You see, you may have been troubled by so many things, but then you realize who Jesus is and those troubles that used to trouble you, the worries that you used to have, they're no worries anymore. When Jesus looks upon you where you are and He calls your name and He tells you right where you are to follow Him, everything changes. Especially your perspective. Now if you and I were to make up the story of those of us who are wise, we may have done something different. We may have gone to other places to make God's story happen, but God has chosen, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You see, the spotlight is going to come again on these fishermen. Like I said, it's not the first time. It's the first time that we see them in Matthew, but it's not going to be the last time that we see them. And one day in the future, in a few years, they're going to be arrested. They're going to be arrested for preaching Jesus has risen from the dead. And one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Listen to it. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, remember, they had been arrested by the council. Now they're there before the council of all these religious leaders. 
Here they are standing before them preaching Jesus is alive and listen to the way the council reacts. I love this. One of my favorite verses. Now when the council saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Now listen to this next part. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I wonder if the world can say that of you. Oh, would you be all right with him saying that you were a common man, a common woman? Would you be okay with the world saying that you were uneducated? See, even in our day, that's, that term is, no one likes that term. In those days, they didn't like it either. But look at this. The only thing that matters is that they had been with Jesus. Listen, are you listening to me this morning? The only thing that matters is whether or not you've been with Jesus. The only thing that matters is whether or not you have been with Jesus. D.L. Moody, he once said, a Christian on his knees can see more than a philosopher on his tiptoes. Henry Varley, a British revivalist, he said, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man who is fully consecrated to him. And then Varley said this, by God's help, I am to be that man. There is no such thing as insignificance with a life that is lived in response to God's call. No insignificance. God may call you to go and clean this or clean that or run some company, Fortune 500, whatever He calls you to do. Nothing is insignificant when you do everything in Jesus' name. You see, His call changes the way that we see everything. Men who fall in love with Jesus are those who you see serving Him with everything that they are. They are the ones that the rest of the world may think that they're crazy, but in, in, in reality, they probably are crazy. They're crazy in love with a God who called them to serve Him. They're crazy in love with a God who has called them to Himself and they have embraced that call. You see, not only does He change our perspective, He changes our priorities. And I love this. What do we see them doing here? Here there are these fishermen. All they know is fishing. And they're willing to leave everything they know. All because somebody walks on a seashore and tells them to follow Him. You see, all that they once held dear is nothing in comparison with knowing Jesus. Everything that you hold dear, whatever's on your list, is nothing. No matter how great it is compared with knowing Jesus. We don't see them having second thoughts about following Jesus. Look at the Bible. We simply see them stop doing what they're doing and do what Jesus said. They had no idea where they were going. They didn't know where they were going. They had no idea that they were going to be used to launch a worldwide religion of peace. Peter had no idea that the largest church in the world would be erected in his memory. Peter had no idea that later he would deny the very same Lord that called him. He had no idea that he would be the first to preach the message of the gospel of salvation. He had no idea that he would be crucified by the same ones that crucified Jesus. Andrew? Andrew had no idea that entire countries like Scotland and Russia would use him as their patron saint. 
Andrew had no idea that the Lord would use the fish and loaves that he found from a small boy to feed over 5,000 people. Andrew had no idea that he too would be crucified for preaching in Greece that Jesus is Lord, that Christ is risen from the dead. You see, these men were common men. They were nothing but fishermen, but God would use them to do a new kind of fishing. What did Jesus say to them? He said, come Follow me. And what does He say in verse 19? I will make you fishers of men. Jesus would change their entire priority from fishing for fish to casting a net through preaching the hopeful message of Jesus and saving men from their sinfulness from the wrath to come. And just as Jesus was sent to call, He is going to send these out to call men to follow Jesus. Listen, Jesus' call changes everything. There is nothing like serving Jesus. And when you understand when He calls, His call changes everything. And I just want you to be honest with me this morning. Think with me. Can you think of anything more important than following Jesus? Now, it's easy to say such things in church. But can you think of anything more important than following Jesus? Here's the question. Would you rather catch fish? What I mean by that are, is go through your normal life. Collect your paycheck. Earn a nice salary. Live to eat. Eat to live. Whatever the case may be. Go through life mundane. Would you rather catch fish? Or would you rather be a vessel in the hands of God for Him to use you as His instrument to see people's lives change forever? Would you rather go through the mundane or would you rather let our good Lord take your life and use you to turn the world upside down by preaching that Jesus is alive? What would you rather do? The answer sounds simple, doesn't it? But in reality, most choose fishing. Most of us can't see what God is calling us to. Because we're so stuck in our own routine that we would rather choose fishing than following Jesus. You see, most choose something they think is simpler. But in doing so, listen carefully to this preacher this morning, if you choose something that you think is simpler other than following Jesus, and it may be simpler, let me tell you what you're missing out on. And the very simple answer that I can tell you what you're missing out on is really just one word. You're missing out on everything. You're missing out on everything. Because true life is about one thing. Serving Jesus. And if you're not serving Jesus, then listen to me, you're not living. If you're not serving Jesus, then you are not living. Because life is about saying wherever He leads, however He leads, whenever He leads, that's where I'm going to go. You see, don't choose this morning just to simply catch fish. When God has called you to be a fisher of men, you don't have to settle for catching fish when the God of heaven and earth has called you to serve Him. Remember who it is that's calling you. Remember who it is. It's Jesus. You see, if this were any other person or any other thing, then 
you might want to be hesitant about giving your life completely to this one. But remember who He is. This is Jesus. This is God's eternal Son, the Creator of life, the One who took on flesh, the One who was born of a virgin, the One who lived a sinless life, the One who died on a cross, who rose from the dead, this One who is coming again to judge the living and the dead, this One who's coming to establish His kingdom for forever. And listen, in this One's kingdom, there's no more sickness. There's no more depression. There's no more drugs. There's no more disease. There's no more death. There's no more crying. You don't need any more medication, even an aspirin anymore. In this man's kingdom, there is no hatred. There is no violence. There is no bigotry. There is no racism. No more politics. No more fighting. No more bickering. No more battling. You see, number three this morning, Jesus is our everything because Jesus has come to be everything. Jesus has come to be everything. In His coming, He changes the world. He reorders the world. And when Jesus comes, don't miss this, when we have a manger scene, when Jesus comes, heaven and earth meet together. In Revelation, when we see a picture of the new heavens and the new earth. If you read the book of Revelation closely, all of the focus is in one place. All of the focus on the new heavens and the new earth is on one place. Oh yeah, listen, they're pearly gates. But who owns the pearly gates? Oh, they're streets of gold. But who owns the streets of gold? Oh yeah, everything that we love, right? Your loved ones are there, but who do they belong to? There's a glassy sea. But who's the master of the sea? The new heavens and the new earth are about one thing. Jesus. In Revelation chapter 21, Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. So what in the world is heaven? Listen carefully. Heaven is wherever Jesus is. Heaven is us being with Him forever in His kingdom, in His new world. He has come to establish the world. He has come to be everything. He has come to be our God who is all in all. Look at verses 23-25. through What's He doing? What's He doing? After He calls, verse 23-25 through is a summation of the entire ministry of Jesus. What's He doing? 23-25, through look at it. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's healing. Every sickness, every disease, they're bringing them to Him. And Jesus is casting demons out. The ruler of this world has been judged. And that's just a foretaste. What Jesus does here as He's healing those who believe in Him is just a foretaste of what's to come. Because in the new heavens and the new earth, there is no more sickness, there is no more death, no more disease, no more epilepsy, no more demonic oppression. None of that stuff. This is just a foretaste of what is to come. You see, Jesus has come to be everything. And so I just wonder this Christmas morning, as we think about this great God who loves us so much that He gave Himself for us, I wonder this Christmas, 
if you can confidently say beyond the shadow of a doubt, yes, Pastor, Jesus is my everything. Can you confidently say this morning that there is nothing that you delight in and desire more than Jesus? And I wonder this morning, have you heard His voice calling you? Maybe this morning for the first time, God is calling you to Himself. He's calling you by name. He's calling you, telling you to follow Him. He's calling, and you need to know something about His calling. His calling sometimes is softly and tenderly. Still, He's calling. Pleading for you. Pleading for me. Patiently waiting. Telling us who are weary to come home. Come home. Find rest. Find refuge. Find salvation. Find life. Serve Jesus. You see, my message today is clear. Jesus is everything. But the question remains, is He everything to you? Have you responded to His call and said, I don't care where you lead. As long as you're there, that's where I'm going to go. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we love you and we're grateful for you. Thank you for the privilege that you give us of responding to your call. To hear your voice. Softly. Tenderly. Still you call. Father, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, if there's anyone here today who they can say that Jesus is not my everything, but I know that He is everything and I want to give my everything to Him because He is everything. If there's one here today, two here today, whoever is here today that doesn't know You, oh Lord, would You call them to Yourself? Save them. Give them, Lord God, the grace, the strength they need to reach to a hand that's already outstretched for them. And by love and faith, embrace you. Call upon your name and receive salvation. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you that Jesus is what Christmas is all about. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.